Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Nadarian with On Purpose Magazine, and today we're here with Minda Wilson. How are you doing, Minda? I'm doing fine, and yourself? Wonderful, wonderful. And where are you today? Uh, I'm in uh, Oak Park, California. Is it nice and sunny and wonderful? It's very hot. <laughs> <laughs> Minda, uh, we've been talking before the interview, um, and we're starting to get into it, so I wanted to get you on the interview right away because there's so many points to cover. Um, we're going to be covering today o- Obamacare or the Affordable Health Care Act. And um, just to let you know who Minda Wilson is, She's the founder of the uh, Affordable Health Care Review, whose mission it is to educate Americans by presenting an unbiased, consumer-based, balanced point of view. And kind of tell me about, Minda, just I'm curious, why did you put this together and, um, and, and what, are you trying to, what are you trying to do? Well, uh, I, I had a business last year which I sold, and one of the big concerns with business owners is to determine how the Affordable Care Act was going to impact their business and what they needed to do to provide health care services for their employees. So I did a lot of research, and what I found was that um, the ideas behind it are really great. The idea that uh, no pre-existing conditions would, uh, that limitation would be ended, and anyone who wanted to would be able to obtain health care, um, that people who were uh, wanting birth control could get it for free, that uh, people who wanted to have uh, basic health care, uh, wellness provided for them, that would be free. All those are really great ideas. Right. We And we have 16 million uninsured in the company in this Obamacare or Affordable Health Care Act supposedly covers about 80% of those uninsured. Well, it, 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 it offers coverage to those people. The problem really then comes in, once you have these great ideas, you have to execute on them, you have to implement them, <laughs> right. and therein lies the rub. So you want to make sure that uh, people who can have, that these things, these Benefits get to the people who want them. So, okay, for example, let, me, let me kind of back you up a little bit before we get into that. Mm-hmm. Minda, you were a, you were a um, a business owner in mm-hmm. in the healthcare field, correct? Yes, yes. And so you sat down and you just read this thing just so you could understand it. Uh, Two thousand pages long. You you made did 2, some research. Twenty four hundred. Was that twenty four hundred? Twenty four hundred. Okay, so twenty four hundred pages long. So you went out there and you decided to do some research. And, you know, uh, I'm just trying to establish um, why you started this as a, you know, in other words, why Minda is the person who uh, even looked into this. Well, so sometimes what happens is sometimes you, you just can't be quiet anymore. Sometimes you look at something and you go, oh, my God, the impact of this is going to be so significant so overwhelming, and you can't sit back and just do nothing. You have to really put your money where your mouth is and 
let people know what's going on and how to protect themselves because right. even though the ideas are great, um, the implementation is highly flawed. And because of that, people are going to be hurt if they're not properly prepared to uh, protect themselves and make sure they do the things they need to do in order to uh, meet the coverage requirements under Obamacare. And that's businesses and employees. Right. And I understand that out there, one of the biggest arguments out there or, or problems out there is that the lack of information, the lack of credible information is, is huge uh, for both the employer, uh, the middle class, and the uninsured and, uh, and, and the poor section of, of the society. They're just, the information is not clear. Or um, in many cases, it's all over the board. I go to one site that says, here's the pros and cons, and, and uh, they're, they're pretty pro. And then another site uh, is really con on the same uh, subjects. And so you're really kind of left with, uh, is it going to work or not going to work? I think, the, I think the real issue from my point of view is the financial one, how it's going okay. to impact people financially. So I think the key thing that people need to be prepared for is paying the price for this. Mm-hmm. So one example is I don't think people know that starting next year, if you're on a family plan, the benefits that the company you work for pays for your spouse, your children, uh, are taxable to you. So not only are you going to have to pay uh, you may have to pay a higher copay. You may have to pay uh, other things for your children, but you're also going to have to pay income tax on the value of the plan that uh, the company pays. So what that means is an individual plan is generally eight thousand dollars. A family mm-hmm. plan is about fifteen on thousand dollars on average. So you're going to have seven thousand dollars of taxable income that you need to withhold for. So the employers need to work with their payroll companies in order to have the employees properly withheld for, and the employees need to know that they're going to have less money in their pockets because they're going to have to pay tax on that income. Yeah, you know, I went over that and I searched out um, that particular fact, and I couldn't find it anywhere, um, uh, you know, I'm I missed it somehow. I know. <laughs> and and I couldn't find it anywhere. I did find out that uh, if you if the employer decides not to get you health care, then they're they're taxed heavily. But that's about all I could find on that. But the employer isn't actually taxed heavily. There's a penalty, but the penalties have been postponed. Okay. So um, so at least in 2014, at least the employers are off the hook. All right. There's also a state opt-out on this, too, is there not? Yes. Yes. That, that's a different thing. What that right. means is uh, every state had the option of setting up their own health exchange. Like in California, we have uh, Covered California. The website is www.coveredca.com. And mm-hmm. that is the official site for the exchange for California. So if you want to buy a policy from the state, 
that's the site you go to. Any other site is not the official site, and one of the other risks that's happening to people is fraud. So if they go to a different site or if someone refers them to a different site, they may be getting, uh, they may be having their personal information taken and they may not be getting the valid state sanctioned policy uh, for which they're entitled to uh, subsidies. Okay, I apologize for jumping ahead to the exchanges and that kind of thing. Did you want to go ahead and finish off your thought on the financial side? Well, and also one of the big misconceptions, I think, is that the, the policies are free. So when people hear subsidies, I think they, a lot of people think they don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's not true either. So, right. um, so if you are a person who uh, earns, let's say, $15,000 a year or minimum wage in California, you're still going to have to come up with, uh, with money to pay for your insurance policy because in California, $8 an hour if you work a 40-hour week uh, puts you above the 133% threshold, and you don't get a 100% subsidy. So you're still going to be paying about $100 a month for insurance, which is a lot of money if you're making mm-hmm. $15,000 a year. So the other problem that is happening is in schools. Let's say you're a kid, you're an independent kid, and you want to go to, and you want to, go to college, and now to go to college, you have to come up with money to pay for insurance. You can't get into city college without having either proof of insurance or having insurance. So, again, that's, that kid may not be working full-time. Uh, they may not be eligible for uh, some of the benefits. And where are they going to get the money to pay for insurance? So. It, it can be a hardship because the issue for a lot of people is where am I going to get the extra cost to pay for these insurance policies that I don't have the money for now? And I, I, that's one of the issues that I have is there's no you've, – you've given people a financial obligation, but there's no plan for making them able to afford it. Okay. You know, you know, Minda, I was really excited to get you on today because um, uh, recently um, I was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 prostate cancer, oh, and so it was sorry. a very aggressive prostate cancer. Really bad diagnosis, good prognosis. Uh, my PSAs are way, way down um, under uh, what they would call remission, and uh, it's, it's all good. But uh, I have a, a you know, a very good in health insurance and going mm-hmm. to uh, North Cancer Center and uh, wonderful doctors. Everything's been great. But I've also been, uh, had you know, in the uh, 80s and 90s during that crash, uh, you know, I was almost living out of my car and I had no insurance and I had to go to county. And, my God, what a mess. So um, I've kind of lived on both sides. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like this side better, but I know there's. I mentioned earlier, 16 million people uninsured. I know it's a mess, and I would have rather, even though I'm independent and don't uh, and, and can be conservative on many levels, 
I was for the single payer plan, um, so I, it's, I'm trying to weigh in my head, and I think a lot of people are, uh, all the cons against the pros, uh, throwing out the baby with the bathwater with this thing. It's like 2,400 pages of stuff. What can we keep? What can we throw out? Is it ever going to be able to get done, or is it just going to be a huge mess from years to come? Uh, well, I think the answer to your question is it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a mess, but everything is a mess. I mean, if you look at the history of Medicare and you look at the history of Social Security, um, right. initially the buy-in for both of those was relatively low, and it took the government a long time to sort them out, and in the history of the world, the fact that it took them 30 years uh, is, you know, a short period of time, but, it, you know, for your lifetime, that it's a very long time. So uh, given enough time, they'll probably figure it out. They'll co- right. probably change the things that need to be changed and, you know, make it, the system better, but that's not going to help the people now. Right. Do you think you think it's um, overall? It's just a very messy implementation. And um, one of the things really that that got me is <laughs> we use the cafeteria plan. Yeah. And they just you know that was one of the things that uh, they just moved from five thousand to twenty five hundred. Um, that hurt. We had a, you know especially with what I just told you, uh, we have uh, some you know. Um, Medical bills that uh, you know that uh, are, are popping up that uh, we would have loved to uh, pay for through the cafeteria plan. Well, I think I think one of the things you have to look at, and this is this is for individuals. If you're if you're self-employed, uh, you need to look at whether or not an exchange policy would be better for you, or whether or not uh, an, a policy provided by an independent broker would be better for you. Right. And in addition to that. Um, there's something called the health savings account, which allows you to put aside pre-tax dollars. Uh, and some insurance plans are compatible with a health savings account. And those plans, I think for an ex- extra $10 a month, you can uh, get the health savings account option. And, and that's what that I call cafeteria you- plan, right, the 2500 a year? Well, that, that's a flexible savings account. This is a, okay, this is a different option. Oh, okay. So, um, so for people who are uh, self-employed or uh, for people who uh, have uh, buy an individual policy, they have the ability to set up their own health savings account. A health savings account for an, a family allows you to set aside uh, $12,700 and for an individual allows you to set aside $6,350 before tax. And that mm-hmm. money can be used to pay your medical bills. So what that means is, and if you don't use it in a particular year, you can roll the money over and you don't lose it. Whoa, that's good because cafeteria plan was, there was no rolling over the money if- Right, flexible saving account. You 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 know you you use it or lose it. Well, that so, that sounds like a pretty good plan. I also understood that the tax wise, uh, there's more deductions. There's seven point five percent of deductions could be unpaid medical. Now it's like they've increased it to ten percent. Yes. So this allows you to put aside that money pre-tax, 
and then use it to pay your medical expenses. If you have a catastrophic illness or certain things that aren't covered, like, you know, if you want to get your face done or something like that. So um, as long as it's a medical expense and there's expense and there's certain restrictions on that. So, okay. so if you if you do that and you couple it with your insurance uh, policy, it it's a great it's a great opportunity. It's a great benefit. But again, you have to have the twelve thousand seven hundred dollars to put aside pre-tax or the six thousand five hundred dollars to put aside pre-tax in order to take advantage of it. So. Um, the other thing is, in addition to that, um, companies offer what you talk about, the flexible spending account. That's, right. That used to be more, and now they reduced it to $2,500. Um, it is not something that gets to be rolled over. And um, there are restrictions on – you used to be able to use it to buy non-prescription drugs. Now you have to use it to buy prescription drugs. So for certain over-the-counter medicines, you may be better off going to your doctor and saying, could you write me a prescription for, uh, you know, my allergy medicine? So if you take Benadryl, you might want a prescription for Benadryl, just so right. you can pay for it under the under your flexible spending account. And um, So actually, uh, by, by depleting that, they've actually, are they working towards getting rid of some fraud? Because I know people have used cafeteria plans to pay for their toothpaste. Yes, and, and that was, I, I don't necessarily, you know, again, if you think about it from a, a holistic wellness point of view, taking good care of your teeth really may not be a bad use of, of the money. Right. I mean. <laughs> I guess that can be argued, absolutely. So, I mean. Because there's, there's great... nothing that, that helps pay preventative, and, and it goes a long way to making sure that you're, health, that you're healthy longer, saving a lot of the, the taxpayers a lot of money. Right, and that was one of the intent. So, so one of the, let's go back to what the good intentions of the plan were. So sure. Making, making sure that people got wellness care is, is, is a great idea. You know, making sure that people get vaccinations that need, need them, that's a great idea. Um, again, where we fall short is on the implementation. So you have prostate cancer. If you look, um, there's an age limit on when you can start getting a prostate exam, and it's older than one would probably like it to be. Uh, you know, breast, breast exams, I think the age is 50. Well, mm -hmm. breast cancer hits women in their 30s in their 40s, so maybe those women would like a mammography younger than 50 years old. Right. So, so it's, it's, the rule, it's the implementation that sort of screws up the good ideas. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, no, it, it, it absolutely does. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because um, one of the things you uh, talk about is uh, that there's um, the health care costs are, are unexpected are expected to dramatically rise over the next five years, and there are no limits to what insurance companies can charge for benefits. And from what I've been right. reading, um, this should set up, a, a, well, at least the intent is so that it sets up a lot of competition between the insurance companies like it did in the auto industry, the change in regulation, um, to make uh, all these uh, companies really vie for your business and, um, they, they, you know, lower the cost. I know they're raising costs before Obamacare comes in, which is really ticking people off, and they're blaming Obamacare for it. Um, but 
it's, it's, it looks almost more like a media play to me than, in, than anything else. Well, my, my analysis is, is a little bit different of that. What I okay. see happening is that uh, there's a, uh, uh, there are two rules that come into effect that financially impact the providers of insurance. Mm-hmm. The first is the 3X rule. And what that means is that their highest policy has to be no more than 3X times their lowest policy. And the second rule is that the 18, what I call the 18% rule. So 18% of the uh, revenues uh, have to be, can only be used for administrative costs. So anything, if it turns out that it's more than that, they have to make rebates. And some of the providers last year, I don't know if you were aware of this, made rebates to their policyholders because they exceeded the 18% threshold. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you, so when so it's unknown what the cost of all these people coming into the system will be with pre-existing conditions. Okay. It's unknown what the cost will be for uh, a lot of low-income people coming into the system. Low-income people tend to be not as healthy as uh, people that of means and as a result tend to have more medical bills. Mm-hmm. And we're providing subsidies for not just the insurance policy, but we're also subsidizing the copay for these for the low income people. So what that means is that you have an unknown cost structure for which you cannot plan coming in and you're going to raise the overall cost of all policies in order to anticipate the increase in outlays that you're going to have to make, and then you'll probably rebate if you hit that 18% threshold. So if you guess wrong, you can always, if you guess too low, you're in trouble. If you guess too high, you can always give back the money. Okay, some of that went right over my head. Um, Okay, so, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay because uh, some pe- I think people, there are some people out there going, JW, that's ridiculous. She just made it very clear. And there are some people going, thanks, JW, because that went over my head too. So uh, for, the, for the less bright out there like me, <laughs> well, I uh, can you that. put that more in layman's terms about what okay, that means? Okay, so, so let's say, um, so the insurance companies don't know how much, the new people coming into the system are going to cost them because it's all the people that they haven't had to pay for before. Right. And they're assuming that all those people that are coming in are going to be their most expensive people. So they look at the cost for their most expensive people and they say all those people are going to be them. And then what they do is they say, okay, so that means that our top price has to be $1,000 a month for every policy for the most expensive person. Mm-hmm. And then um, and they say, okay, so given that that's our, that's, that will cover all our anticipated costs for our most expensive person, if we end up spending less than that, we can always 
give it back to our policyholders in the form of rebates. So they're, until they sort of have a history of how much these new people are going to cost them, they're going to charge more knowing that they can give, give it back. Right. And Okay, that makes sense. I got that now. Let me ask you, Mindy, have there, you know, um, they, I just recently saw on the news um, where the media went out and checked health costs for the same, uh, uh, you know, uh, they went to various hospitals, various states, and checked the same procedure for the same diagnosis and found extremely varying um, costs for, yes. the, for the same procedures and stuff. Um, this, will the Affordable Health Care Act help keep those costs down to the hospitals? Because I'm, I'm, is there is there any provision in there to to help stop that kind of stuff from going on, or are the insurance companies going to be stuck? Well, the the answer to your question is the insurance companies themselves have now changed the way they structure their payments. So um, they've sort of said that. You know, we'll pay this for a hip, we'll pay, you know, $30,000 for a hip replacement. Right. So you charge more, you know, you have to get that from the patient. So, so for the hospitals where they were charging a lot more, um, they've come down in price. The problem right. with that is that a lot of the higher cost procedures were subsidizing other things for the hospitals, like the emergency room. Right. So by taking the fat out of the system, they may be impacting care, and we won't know that until we see how it plays out. Ah. So another example would be prior to the Affordable Care Act, the federal government provided subsidies to hospital emergency rooms that uh, provided care for illegal aliens. Mm -hmm. So under the new law, that subsidy's gone away, and illegal aliens are not entitled to receive any kind of policy under the Obamacare Act. So, But emergency rooms are still required to treat them. So that that cost goes directly to the hospital, and they've got to make it up somehow or drop their emergency care. Exactly. So the plan is, so I understand why taxpayers don't want to pay for care for illegals, but the hospitals used to have this money coming in to help subsidize them, and that's not happening anymore. Well, we just heard through the news recently that uh, there was a particular hospital that was going, sending salespeople down to um, South America and, Mexico and is saying, you know, come come have your baby at our hospital so that you can have a, a you know, so you can, your baby can become a citizen and um, the government will pay for it. In other words, they were making money doing that. Did you hear about that? I, I find that hard to believe, especially since the child might be a citizen, but the parent isn't. Right. So the child may be entitled to a lot of benefits, but the parent is not. Yeah, and it's just about the the, the uh, parent paying money to have their child born in the United States, so that uh, and the hospitals were selling this. Not uh, these these weren't uh, you know a bunch of guys on the border, sleazy guys on the border. 
Well, I wonder what, what hospital it is and... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to do a point out on this thing to that, uh, now that I've mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get, no, no cards and letters, people. I'll put, I'll put a point out in the article. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I would be curious as to which hospital is and what their motivation for doing it is. Right. Okay, so let's get back to your site. You put, this, you put a site together? I did, and there are some, there are some art. I've started adding articles about different things, um, one of the interesting trends that's happening is that uh, people who are doctors are looking at these concierge practices where uh, they're yeah, pulling out I love out concierge of them. medicine. Good yeah. stuff. So they're pulling out of the medical practice and adopting their practice to a, what's called a concierge model. And this means that uh, people who... Uh, participate in the concierge system, they pay a fee, and the fee goes to the doctors. But it may not be the best model for a doctor because they may not actually be increasing their income. Yeah, it's, it's, the uh, concierge medicine says the doctor, instead of having, if you're an HMO or a PPO, instead of having to have 4,000 or 6,000 clients, you can have... 400 to 600, and instead of spending only having five minutes to spend with each customer, you now have 20 or 30 minutes, uh, and the customer can get your cell phone number. You kind of have the do- the old doctor of the old days where they make house calls almost. Yes, and it's really great for the upper upper middle class because it is expensive. It's an expensive yearly or, or monthly bill. Yes, and there is a shortage of doctors. I mean, the family practice doctor, the it's the least paid doctor in the system. And at many hospitals, family practice doctors actually make less than nurses. Wow. So uh, this provides them with the opportunity to earn money from on a fee basis for providing these additional services. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to have better relationship with their patients. The, the issue really there is marketing the concierge companies provide the patients, and if they don't provide enough patients and you have an exclusivity deal, you can't go out on your own and treat other patients. So it can Right, hurt you're, you're, the tied into your, you're tied into that at that point. Yes, and it can hurt the doctor, and um, that's not good. And it's not good for the public in general because we do have a shortage of primary care physicians, and as more people come into the system they're going to be slammed even more, taking them out and moving them towards this concierge model means less time with the doctors. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's, an, that's another one. We'll have to see how that pans out because not every doctor can go concierge because it's a small amount of, uh, of Americans that can pay that kind of money. So the competition would be really high for that. Like you said, there's less of those physicians available um, if they listen to this interview, they're going to. Most doctors are going to say, or in medical school are going to say, "Well, I better find my niche." Well, that's another problem: is that a lot of doctors are moving into specialties. So, most of the systems that we have are hinged on primary care physicians as the entry point. So, right. you go see your primary care doctor, and then they're the referral to the specialist. 
So if you don't have specialists, if you only have specialists, there's no point of referral and the system breaks down. You know, most PPO plans require that you go to your primary care doctor first before you get passed on to a specialist. Absolutely. Um, So that's I just mentioned re, I just mentioned um, time with your doctor, uh, and you talk about, um, um, since reimbursements are being cut to doctors by, you say, as much as 20%, uh, the time patients will spend with their doctors will be significantly reduced. Can you talk about that? Well, if you, if you think about it, uh, for example, uh, Medicare has announced uh, a 20% reduction in the reimbursement rate to doctors, primary care doctors, for mm-hmm. appointments. So if you're a Medicare patient and... You see, and your doctor practicing with Medicare patients, you're going to have to see 20% more patients in order to make the same money. This math. So, see 20% more patients. You only have eight hours in the in a working day. You're going to be seeing more patients in an hour. So that means less time with your doctor. And doctors are not reimbursed for if you call them and speak to them on the phone. Right. They don't get paid for that. If yeah, there's you, no, no, no ICDA code for that. No. So that creates a problem because one of the things that could sort of offset some of this is, and could save a lot of money would be if you, a lot of people know what's wrong with them. So... They need a prescription refill, so they call up and say, would you renew my prescription? If the doctor could get reimbursed for that, it would save you the time of going into the office, mm-hmm. and it would save the doctor the time of having that extra visit, and he could spend or she could spend more time with her other patients. But there's there's no code for that, so you have to go in now and... and uh, Make an appointment to get your prescription refilled if you're not on a concierge plan or you don't have a personal relationship with your doctor. Right. No, it, it can be. If it's going to be a major change here. Um, can you kind of like sum it up for people? In other words, I want them to go to your. What's your site? What? Where? Where's your it, site at? It's www.affordablehealthcarereview.com. Um. I, I would like to talk about a couple of things if, if, yeah. you, if, you, if we have time. No, let, let's, uh, let's do that because I, I want you to really kind of tie a, a bow around this thing because I think we've been all over the place and people might be even more confused. Okay, so, so the first thing I want to do is, uh, is make a couple of points. The first point I want to make is for individuals who are not going to be insured, they should, they should not just look to the exchanges. They may do better buying a health insurance product from their broker and then tying it to a health savings account. That's, that's the first point that I want to make. Okay. Um, the second point I, I want to make is all plans are terminating with a very few exceptions at the end of the year. So you're you're automatically enrolled into a new similar plan, but your rate is going to go up. You can shop 
after your plan is renewed and see if you have a better option. So the next point I want to make is if you don't... Wait, wait, let me, let me go back on that because um, you're talking about the individual. Uh, I'm talking about... You're not, you're not talking about the business, plans, business owner, right? What? Or are you? All, all plans. <clears throat> okay. All plans, uh, with a very few exceptions, are going to terminate at the end of the year and then you'll be rolled into a new plan. That, unless, the, unless the company you worked for made an extension, and even if they did make an extension, the plan you have now is going to end at the end of the year, and it's going to be revised starting at the beginning of the year. That's mm-hmm. the way it's I just want to make it clear whether not just the individual who has a plan should go out and shop it, but also the employer that their plan changes if the cost is going to go up. They can go shop it also? Yes. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Yes. Sorry, go so, ahead. So everyone, so every, so once you get, you actually find out what the new plan is, what it's going to cost you, what it covers, and you have more specific details on that, you might want to go shop. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. That's, that's the kind of information I'd want to know. Yes. So uh, the next thing I want to say is if you don't, qualify for a subsidy, um, the plans are expensive, and the, the plans on the exchange are, more, are often more expensive than getting them off the exchange, which, again, goes back to the shopping theme. Mm-hmm. Nope, uh, the other thing that you want to look at is what's meant by essential health benefits. Okay. All plans are supposed to cover essential health benefits, but it hasn't been clearly defined at the moment what that means. So, uh, for example, if you have hearing issues and you're an adult, hearing issues are not covered on, as an essential health benefit. So you want to make sure that your plan covers the things that you need to address. Like you have, uh, you have, you, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but you've been diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. So you want mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, prostate exams are included and, uh, you know, everything you would need, not just now but in the future, are covered under your plan. Right. Okay. Um, the, the next thing I want to be very clear about is I want to talk about fraud a little bit. There are a lot of people out there already telling you that they can advise you, help you, do uh, provide services, get you insurance, and um, it just isn't true. Uh, to get a policy from your state or the federal government, you have to go through the authorized website for that state, or you have to go through the federal government's authorized website. And that will take you via link to your authorized state website. Do mm-hmm. not purchase a product from other than those things. You're being ripped off. So the federal website is www.healthcare.gov. The California website is www.coveredca.com. 
All right. So there's going to be a lot of fraud out there, if you're saying. Yes. And you really yeah. got to watch for that. Yes. I so mean, it's probably better to go to healthcare.gov. Is that what you called it? If you're, if you're not in California, if you're in California, if you go to the healthcare. www.healthcare.gov, that has a link to each state's website. Yeah, that's probably the safest bet for yes. people to, to not get screwed up. Yes. Okay. So, um, and, and people who call you and tell you they're working for the state or representing the state or doing that, no. That's, that's not... <laughs> the state's true. not going to be calling you. No. <laughs> exactly. <Good one. laughs> so make sure that you just, you follow the rules and you'll be okay. Anyone who asks you for your uh, personal information, your social security, your family information, your health history, don't give it to them. Okay. One thing I'd like to ask you, Minda, um, you know, for I would imagine this is a time for people, you know, the debate's going to go on. Uh, it's a politi- political football, huge political football, so there's going to be, the debate's going to be crazy. But I, I really would like to get people to realize this is a time when it's time to take personal responsibility, get out there and find out for themselves what they need to do and how they need to comply. Would that, does that make sense? Yes, and, and again, if you, if you want information, if you need help, you can come to our website, which is, you know, affordablehealthcarereview.com. We'll point you in the right direction. Um, but you, in it, you are responsible for providing health care for yourself. The other thing I wanted to point out was the penalties for not providing health care, for not having health care, are not that dire. So okay. um, in 2014, the minimum fine is $95 hmm. or $285 for a family of four or more. That's less than your deductible. Okay. That's the minimum <laughs> fine. And then, it's, it, and then the maximum fine is 1% of your income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't go to jail if you don't have an insurance policy. They can't lien your property or your wages if you don't obtain insurance. The only thing they're actually allowed to do is take money out of your tax refund. Right. So... For people who truly can't afford health care, this, this may be an option. I mean, I, I would like to see everyone get health care, but, you know, I, I understand the economics, and it just may not be doable for some people. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something to consider. Um, to that I have not seen anywhere, so uh, thanks for bringing that up. You know, in, and then... Um, the penalty can never exceed the cost of the national average premiums for the lowest cost bronze plan. So people that make extraordinary amounts of money, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for, uh, for penalties. So um, it's, just, it's, it's just something to think about. Very um, good. Are you, Minda, are you available to, to speak or to... Excuse me, or to consult? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, as part of my mission to sort of meet my, my, what I believe is my social obligation, I'll go anywhere and talk to anyone on these matters. I think this is, 
I really think that uh, we, people have, do have the individual responsibility. They need to protect themselves uh, financially, and, and that's really what I'm, I'm really talking to, is not whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea, but just make sure that you take care of yourself financially. Make sure you, uh, when you are looking at your health care options, make sure you address the things that are important to you. And um, for businesses, also, they may actually be doing, they may, there are other options other than providing a health insurance policy which mm-hmm. may benefit their employees. It may be cost neutral to the business, but it may be tax advantage to the employee, and they may be better off doing something from an employee point of view that costs them the same amount of money but saves their employees a lot of money on the healthcare side. So I think that's really important to think about too. Not just so the, what, there's a lot, so there's a, the good thing is there's a lot of options here. Yes. Yes. That's good there to know. Lot, there are a lot of options and people aren't really looking at the options because I don't think a lot of people know about them. No, they think they're really going to be forced into some um, socialized medicine system that uh, they really that's just going to cost them zillions of dollars and and uh, screw up uh, business as we know it. And, um, that's, <laughs> that seems to be what I find out on the web. That everybody believes that business is just going to suffer. Everybody will, you know, pay more money, and healthcare um, uh, as a whole will just go down in, in uh, value. Yes, and and that that is a possibility. But I also am an optimist, and I think if we work this right and we work together well we can actually make something good happen out of this, and that's the optimist in me. Very good. Uh, this is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Ma- uh, Magazine, and we've been speaking to Minda Wilson. And, um, Minda, uh, what, was, what was your site again? www.affordablehealthcarereview.com. And can they get a hold of you if they want you to speak or they want to speak yeah. to you? If they can, there's a link on the website they can go to, and uh, they can uh, contact me through the website. Wonderful. Excellent. Um, I usually like to give uh, everybody the last word. Is there anything we haven't spoke about that you need to, get, that you need to impart? Uh, just... Take care of yourself. Make sure you uh, you look at your options. And I appreciate the time and the opportunity to get this out there. Thank you very much. And we appreciate you. Everybody, this is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine, speaking to Minda Wilson uh, about the Affordable Health Care Act, uh, Obama, better known as Obamacare. Thank you, Minda. You were excellent and uh, a lot of great points, a lot of good stuff to think about. I'm glad there's options. Thank you very much for coming on today. Everybody, I'd like to wish you a great day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.